I want to let you in a little secret that can forever change your life in a big way. It's a secret available to all believers. That is you that have chosen to follow Jesus. Um, but perhaps you're here or joining us online and you wouldn't identify as a believer or a religious person. Or maybe you're still trying to figure out how you feel about Jesus. Um, I still want you to lean in and listen to this secret. But before I tell you the secret, I want to say hello. If we haven't met yet, my name is Ilsian, um, and I am so glad you're here. And for those of you that already know me, my name is still Ilsian. Um, so, <laughs> but today is such a special Sunday because we are celebrating Fall Fun Sunday. And um, we are just going to have so much fun with your kiddos. So if you're a parent here and you brought your kiddos, they're going to have so much fun. So I'm so grateful that you decided to join us on this Sunday. Welcome to the faith community that we call Evergreen Christian Center. You know, there's a hymn that goes like this. Now, bear with me. I am not a singer at all. I just love to worship. Um, but it goes like this. And if you know it, you're welcome to follow along. But it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. How else does it go? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And then it goes, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. Then it repeats and repeats and it says, no turning back, no turning back. And see, I first sang this hymn in Spanish. And in Spanish it says, he decidido seguir a Cristo. And see, this song originated in India and the first lyrics um, come from the last words of Nok Singh, and he was a man from the Garo tribe of Assam in the region of India. And see, this man and his family decided to follow Jesus Christ in the middle of the 19th century through efforts of an American Baptist missionary. And the village chief of the tribe that he belonged to wanted Noxum to stop believing, and he asked him to renounce his faith. And it was in the middle of the chief's um, aggression and threats to harm that this man declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. His two children were killed right after that declaration. And in response to the threats to his wife's life being next, he continued, though no one join me, I still will follow. And as they, um, as they had threatened, they killed his wife. And as Noxum uh, melodically ended his last words on earth, he says, the world behind me, the cross before me, he too was executed. However, the story doesn't end there. You're like, gee, thanks, great start to the sermon. There's more to the story. You just, just, just you wait. But what was the secret to this man's strength and courage? 
See, because this, this secret, if, if you and I learn it, it will keep you from being chronically unhappy of person. The secret, if you learn it, will replace your grumbling for gratitude. The secret will motivate you to worship instead of worry. It's the secret to a life of contentment over being chronically unhappy. See, the reality is that we are really good at complaining and grumbling. How many would be like, yeah, mm mm-hmm, not even going to try to deny it. We're naturals at it. It's just natural to us to do that, especially when we are unhappy with our circumstances. Our life is filled with the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah. So there is a lot to worry about, and there's a lot to complain about. But the guy that wrote the letter that we've been kind of um, talking about these last three weeks, and the part of the letter we're going to see today, the letter to the Philippians, um, he had gone through some hardship. He had lived through some pretty difficult things. See, he was in prison, and while penning these pens, that's where he, that, that was his location. And Paul is what we call him, and he, he knew many cold and sleepless nights. He knew hunger, and he knew thirst. He was persecuted, struck down, and right before being in prison in um, the city of Philippi, he was beaten. So if anyone had a reason to grumble, if anyone had a reason to worry and be chronically unhappy or discontent, it was this guy, Paul. But yet he writes, and it'll be on the screen. He writes, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He learned the secret, which is good news for you and me because it means that we can learn it too. It's something that can be learned. And it's important to remember that Paul... He didn't learn this overnight from one day to the next. It wasn't automatic. And it wasn't the moment that he said yes to Jesus. The book of Acts shows us that it was through trial after trial. And uh, Spurgeon, a theologian who I'm going to quote in just a bit, he eloquently stated that contentment, that Joy that comes with contentment. It's not something that you're born with. It's not something that you can download. I wish that there was a contentment USB that you could just plug in and that would solve it, right? But there, there is no such thing. It's something that must be learned, and it's often learned through difficulty. But what's no secret is what this person said. And they said, most people aren't content with their lot even when they get a lot. And is that true? There is always a bigger TV, especially around football season, 
right? I walk into Costco and that's what they're promoting. They're promoting you don't want to watch the game without this TV, right? So there's always a bigger TV. There's always a newer car, the latest edition of your iPhone or, you know, Samsung or whatever it is that you use. Spend only a few minutes on social media and you are made aware of all the things that you don't have that now you want, right? Because he looks so pretty and it looks so perfect in that home. And wow, that home is always clean and they have five kids. How do they do it? You don't see the other part that they blocked out, right? They only cleaned out this area for the camera angle. Anyway. But see, the vacation, the relationship, the stage in life, the house, the it's all there and there's always, right, this discontent of wanting more. And I want to say this. There's also a discontent that's good. Like some people in the medical field are discontent with how they've not been able to find a cure. So they dedicate their lives. So there's a good part of discontent. But there's also this part of discontent that just keeps us in such a negative space, wanting more and more. And it's never enough. The other day as Carlos, Charlie, and I took a walk around our neighborhood, it dawned on me that I finally had a different perspective as a homeowner of the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. You've heard that before, right? See, as we were walking, I was noticing all the beautiful lawns. And there was one that I was like, oh my gosh, their grass is so perfect. Like, what kind is it? Can we knock on the door and ask them? Like, it's like perfect and it's so green and there is zero weeds. My goodness, you know. And now as a homeowner, I am realizing that to keep your grass green, it takes a lot of watering and a lot of hard work. I just have a different perspective. And we know that the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's actually greener where they water it, right? That's the reality of it. And on a devotional, um, <clears throat> on Philippians 4, 11 through 12, the verses that we just read earlier, a theologian, Spurgeon, he writes, and it's a long quote, so I have it up for you. But it says, these words show us that contentment is not a natural propensity of men. Ill weeds grow apace, that means fast. Covetness, discontent, and murmuring are as natural to men as thorns are to soil. We need not sow thistles and brambles. They come up naturally enough because they are indigenous to earth. And so we need not teach men to complain. They complain fast enough without any education. But the precious things of the earth must be cultivated. If we would have wheat, we must plow and sow. If we want flowers, there must be the garden and all the gardener's care. Now contentment is one of those flowers of heaven. And if we would have it, it must be cultivated. It will not grow in us by nature. It is the new nature alone that can produce it. And even then, we must be specially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace which God has sown in us. So in short, contentment must be cultivated. So what I see that Paul writes in chapter 4 of Philippians is that perception and envy will mess with our contentment. Let me offer you this definition of envy that I read this week. It says envy is resenting God's goodness 
in someone else's life and ignoring God's goodness in my own life. See, God is so good to you. He is so good to us. Let's not ignore that goodness in our lives. See, in verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And the word know in the original language is the word edo or oida, which means perception by sight. It's to perceive or see. It's being aware of. And a lot of times, what I am aware of, what I see is what I don't have or what I wish I had. So I continually need to remind myself to look at what I do have and to thank God for that. He is the one that has provided all that I have. So the secret of contentment is to cultivate it by continually growing in gratitude. And we grow in gratitude when we become aware of the things that we have, whether good or not so good. And we learn to give thanks. We make it a practice to give thanks. See, earlier in the verse, verse 6 of this chapter, Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. The other night as I was changing my almost three-year-old um, diaper, I was thinking about how Carlos and I have not been able to get pregnant again. And in the midst of that thought, I sense God saying, you are holding an answer to prayer. That poop you are wiping is an answer to prayer. See, when, when we got her 16-week her ultrasound, it showed that there was something not right with her bowels, and we prayed that God would heal. And we believed that God did because she's a perfectly healthy pooper now. Right? Have you ever had your kid? I've heard my, my little nephew was, you know what, never mind. I was to tell a constipated story. Wait, no one needs to hear a constipated story at nine this morning. So we're going to skip over that. That is not in the notes. But see, at that moment, um, my eyes welled up with tears at the realization of that perception. That I was holding the miracle that God had done in my life. So I thanked God. And in that same chapter, Paul writes to fix your thoughts. And he tells us how we can fix our thoughts. And he says, think about what's good. Think about what's lovely. Think about what's praiseworthy. And that is how we can be in this mindset, this attitude of showing gratitude. Sometimes it's so easy 
when the laundry doesn't get put in the right place, and I'm going to mention anybody, but you know, when it's not in the right place, it's so easy to think about all the negative things and all the stuff that doesn't happen. But what I've learned is, no, no, I got to think of all the things that are praiseworthy about this person. I got to learn to think about all the things that are good about this person. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we cultivate contentment by being aware of what God has done and learning to thank him for it. See, in the things that you don't have, the things that you long for, you can talk to God about it all. You can pray. And in telling God all that you need and praying, this is what you are doing. You are relying on Christ and his strength. See, the secret to living uh, with joy in every situation, living content, the secret to being content, no matter what the circumstance, is the practice of gratitude and relying on Christ and his strength. See, when you look at the communication that Paul writes through to the churches in um, Thessalonica and, 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 and Ephesus and, and Colossae, what, what he's constantly talking about, he's bringing up this always give thanks in every circumstance, and he's saying, and pray. Or he's saying, pray and always give thanks. But it's this combination of prayer and gratitude. It's this, this constant give thanks, but go ahead and be honest. Go ahead and tell God every thing you need but give thanks and pray so there's this constant realization and he's saying is rely on christ trust christ trust jesus with what you need right and paul writes and this is the verse that is most googled outside of john 3 16 and you probably most of you know it if you grew up in the church but it says i can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, right? Philippians 4.13. And it's uh, seen a lot in athletes, right? They'll, they'll write it on their, on their jersey or on their face or they'll do, right? But it, that, that's not the context that Paul intended it for. And I'm glad they use it. It's good. But the context was in the midst of difficult circumstances. In the midst of having all you want or having very little, maybe stuff that you didn't think you would encounter, in the midst of all that, know that you can do everything through Christ. And see, the Greek word for can do means to be strong, powerful, able, prevail over. So Paul is not saying that he can do all things through Christ, but rather that he can prevail or have victory over everything any circumstance by relying on Christ and his strength. Professor Benjamin Merkel paraphrased it this way. I can have the victory over any circumstance through my union with Christ who continually strengthens me. The one who strengthens depicts this action that is incomplete and indicates a continual strengthening. 
And the Holy Spirit in you, for those that have said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled. He made your heart his home, and he dwells in believers and empowers you to be triumphant, to have victory in the midst of trials. Because things will happen to you that are beyond your control. It might be health concerns, problems at work, difficulty with a child, relationship issues in your family or marriage, financial stress, or a myriad of other things. And when these things come up, you can respond with the confidence, humility, and perseverance that Paul did. He said, I can do all things. I can prevail over this unexpected circumstance because I am not alone in this. Jesus is in it with me. And through my union with Christ, I will have a strength I didn't know was possible. And so we can trust Jesus. And the good stuff in life and in the hard stuff in life. Theologian Barclay reminds us that the man who walks with Christ can cope with anything. And so, my friend, I want to invite you. Relying on Christ is trusting him, even when life doesn't make sense or when it doesn't feel good. See, contentment is cultivated by continually growing in gratitude. So would you look up and see all the things that you do have, all the things that God's blessed you with, even if it's poopy diapers? Because all of it comes from him. We have so much goodness to be thankful for. Because when you don't cultivate contentment, your grumbling will be greater than your gratitude. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So you get to gauge it. When you hear that your grumbling is really loud, you'll know that you stop being as grateful as you need to be. So just switch, switch the volumes, switch it up, do something different. And when you don't cultivate contentment, your worry will drown out your worship. So I'm going to invite you in those moments when worry takes over your mind and you think about all of the things that need to get done or that aren't done or you see someone making a decision that you wish they wouldn't make and it hurts you and you worry about them, would you just start in that moment just to worship? And what I mean by that is just start thanking God. Thanking God for them. Thanking God for the situation and knowing that he is the one that is a way maker, the one that will, will part the waters if he needs to because he loves you is able to provide all that you need. Because if you cultivate contentment, you will receive a strength that is not your own to prevail no matter the difficulty, no matter the stress, 
no matter the relationship issues that come up or the financial hardship, you'll know that you can do all things because Christ is there with you to strengthen you. So what was the secret to Noxum's strength and courage? He relied on Jesus. He was united with Christ. And see, the rest of the story is that the chief who had ordered the killings of him and his family was moved by the faith of this man. And in a spontaneous declaration of faith, he said, I too belong to Jesus Christ. And when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the entire village came to surrender their life to Jesus. Noxum was aware that he had Jesus. And Jesus was all that mattered to him. And so I want to invite you that we, as believers, continue to make that our declaration. To say, I have decided to follow Jesus. So right there where you are, I'm going to invite you to sing that with me. I'm just, I'm going to have you start it. Just right there where you are. Just, if you can, lift your hands. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And I want to ask you with everybody's eyes closed. Maybe you're in the room or you're joining us online. And maybe this hasn't been your decision to, to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him. 
God loves you. He created you. But like all of us, we all fall short, we all sin, and so Jesus was needed to reconcile us to God. And he gave his life, he was crucified on the cross to pay for our sins, but on the third day he rose again so that you and I would have eternal life. And so I wanna invite you, if you are in the room or joining us online and you've not decided to follow Jesus yet, and if that is the decision that you wanna make today, I wanna give you that opportunity to respond. So if you're here in this room and that's a decision you want to make, you want to say, today I want to follow Jesus, would you look up at me right where you are so that I can agree with you in that decision? God loves you. He is for you. There is a purpose for you. I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. I see you. I agree with you. Thank you that we can make this decision today that you are good and that you love us and that you are for us, God. And Lord, I pray for everyone else, for those of us that are struggling and the reality is that we can identify with chronically being unhappy. There's always something it's never enough. Lord, would you transform our hearts as we learn to give you thanks. Lord, even in the difficulty, even in the stress, help us to give you thanks for all of it, God. Because we know that with you, nothing is wasted. That you are a redeemer of those things that are wrong and evil that happen. But that you are faithful and that you're able to turn it around for good. So, Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for loving your people in such an amazing way. So, Lord, I pray, transform our hearts as we give you gratitude this week. You are so good, and your goodness is so good. In Jesus' name, can we say amen?